Mac Power Users, Episode 194, Workflows with Tom Merritt. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Hi, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today? I am doing great. You know, I am really excited about the guest that we have on today's show. Uh, this is someone that I've wanted to have on the podcast for a long time. And I was just telling him that I believe his podcast was the very first podcast I listened to and got me through uh, some very tough times in my life. Uh, so please welcome Tom Merritt to the show. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. You guys are too nice. Uh, I'm glad that my my ramblings seven or eight years ago were helpful to you. <laughs> Um, Tom, uh, I first came to know Tom uh, in Mollywood and at that time, Veronica, uh, through the Buzz Out Loud podcast. I, I think I started listening to Buzz Out Loud when it was low double digits, not not single digits, but low double digits in terms of, of show numbers. And then, you know, Veronica left and then Jason came in and, you know, there's kind of this, this rotating uh, guest panel for a while. And uh, you were at CNET for a long time, and, and then you moved over to, to Twit and did several shows over there. And now you've gone totally independent. Uh, you do several podcasts, including a daily tech news show called, ironically enough, The Daily Tech News Show. Very um, imaginative. <laughs> um, a, a sci-fi book club podcast with Veronica Belmont called uh, Sword and Later, uh, Lasers, uh, Sword and Laser. Um, I, I, it's I love a thing. that show, by the way. I love that show. Oh, thanks, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a thing with Molly Wood, uh, which I really enjoy because I, I like the uh, the whole uh, tamale getting back together, and um, and then uh, cord cutters, East meets West. I mean, we we could sit here and talk for an hour and a half about <laughs> you know yeah, all I the shows that you do. Yeah, uh, yeah, so. no, they're they're all fun to do, and it's uh, some of them I've been doing indie for a long time, like Sword and Laser, uh, since before Veronica even left CNET, which is a long time ago. Uh, others like Daily Tech News Show are new, but I, I can't stop myself. It's good. It's fun to do podcasts. It is. It's, it's like therapeutic, I find. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Some of them are only done for therapy, like East Meets West. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I'm very proud of the work I've done with the podcast over the years. And it, it really, it's an accomplishment. And I just can't get over how much you do. You're so prolific. Yeah. When you don't let yourself do anything else, <laughs> it helps. Yeah, Have you true. ever ever calculated and, and maybe you shouldn't how many hours uh or, or at this point days if not no, no it, it would I be we, months you've spent on air yeah it would be that would be interesting uh to figure out if there were like a like when uh, i don't know if you guys have ever played any of the online games where they'll they'll show you how many hours you've played it can be kind of stunning that'd be cool if i started a device yeah, that would yeah. just tell me I think it'd be a bad idea if they told us how many hours we got in this stuff. <laughs> when I was at Macworld, somebody was telling me that I, I met a listener for the first time. And he, and she said, you know, you're just exactly like you are in the show. And I said, well, of course I am. I mean, you can't put yourself out there that many hours and put on an act. No, it's it'll just, fall apart eventually. Yeah, yeah, it's just who you are. I mean, when you I think that's something about a podcast that that really stands out. I mean. Uh, you do a produced television show and you're reading a script or whatever, you can hide who you are. Uh, but boy, stick someone in front of a mic an hour a week for a year. And by the end of that year, you're going to have a pretty good idea who that person is. And I think that's what people like about podcasts. Uh, ever since the beginning, uh, it, it has always been about that genuineness uh, and, and that that 
personal relationship. And I think that's why people liked Buzz Out Loud. Katie, I, I, I would assume that was one of the reasons you liked it is, is we, we were enjoying having conversations and that's much more enjoyable to listen to. Yeah. And I mean, it helped certainly that it was a tech show and that was something that I was interested in, but it, it also was, it was the personalities and the interactions between you and Molly for so long and you and Molly and Veronica, and then you and Molly and and Jason and, you know, that rotating cast uh, just, you know, we, we felt like we knew you and, and I can still remember, you know, during very specific times, you know, what, what you were talking about. Um, you know, there, there was like something about, Oh, gosh, I, I, I don't like a, I want a PS semi. And then, and when you're talking about the acquisition of PA semiconductors and there was something about gas and pie, and I don't remember what that was about. Gas but I, I just, pie metaphor, right? Gas pie metaphor. But I just remember that it was just a, a little break from, from my reality. It was just like, it, it was my hour a day to, to hang out with friends. Oh, that's cool. I'm so, I'm so glad you think of it that way too, because it's really what was going on. Right. And I think that's another element of the success of podcasts in general is that it allows people with a very particular set of interests to share and, and have an outlet. I mean, uh, when I start talking about Apple scripts with my wife, uh, you know, I, she doesn't really care. I don't know why she wouldn't care, but she doesn't. She's, she's a cruel woman. And uh, but but then, you know, I go on on the podcast and I can talk about it and I connect with this huge community and I get emails and, you know, we hear we get feedback from listeners. And it's it, there is just something very special about it. It's a great time to be alive and, and enjoy this stuff. Anyway, uh, I guess we should get off the hippie cloud and talk a little bit about, Tom, how you get all this stuff done. So so what's uh, driving the backbone of the Tom Merritt broadcasting empire? Uh, boy, that's a, that's a loaded question, isn't it? I have no idea. I don't know if it's an empire and I have no idea what's driving it really. Uh, but, but the, the way I try to, to keep a handle on all the things that I have to do every day, uh, is kind of a a system that I've created out of bits and pieces and experimented with over the time, over time. And really the, uh, the main part of it is, is to be able to access everything I need to know no matter what device I'm using. Uh, so I have simple note, uh, which is cross platform. Uh, you can get it in notational velocity on the desktop. There's a web access, there's iOS and Android apps. Uh, and I keep my ongoing projects, my sort of, it's a modified getting things done approach in that, uh, I've got four different lists and I can, I can go into to what I do there. And then I have a Google calendar because that will be accessible, you know, anywhere I've got an internet connection as well as synced to iCal. Uh, and, I, and I put daily tasks on that. And, and honestly, that email, uh, those, those two utilities in email are the things I use to keep track of everything. Now, how do you figure out... Um, you know, what you're going to talk about for all of these shows. I mean, David and I, I sometimes have a hard enough time, you know, figuring out what we're going to do once a week on a show. And, and we'll go back and forth for a while on that. But when, when you're talking about doing a show basically every day and sometimes multiple shows a day and, and with the Daily Tech News Show, that's live content, new content 
every day that you've got to come up and figure out what you're what you're going to talk about. I mean, you you've got to be constantly scanning for topics, keeping list of topics, idea, figuring out what's important, what's not, what the angle is you're going to take on it. Um, so how do you? I, I guess there's so many questions in there, but I, starting with the with the first one would be, um, how do you organize all of that information, and how do you go out and find it and, and get it in your brain, and then prepped into into show notes or however it is you prep. Katie, you just asked him. You just asked him all those questions again. <laughs> uh, I did. Well, let's start with you, your filter. Where where do you go to collect sources for the you know for your daily show, for instance? Sure, uh, and, and in fact, as you were talking, it made me go check my feeds. Like it was like, oh yeah, I should probably take a look at those real quick. And uh, apparently, Apple might be buying Beats Audio. Is is what I'm seeing now. But uh, yeah. really, that's news. Yeah. Well, we're so maybe I maybe so, I shouldn't buy that Sonos just yet. <laughs> we're recording the show actually quite early, so it may be a done deal by the time the show. Yeah, goes exactly. Out. That may be confirmed by the time you listen. Uh, but, but that but Feedly is what I use. I used to use Google Reader, and of course Google got rid of Reader, um, and I switched to Feedly. I tried a lot of different RSS readers, and there's some really good ones out there. But Feedly replicated what I needed from Google Reader right out of the gate, uh, and that is the ability to put all my trusted sources in one place and be able to just look at all the tech stories uh, that I need to. I also have a sci-fi section that I use uh, to kind of keep track of things for Sword and Laser. And then I pull stories from both of those for my, for my other shows, like Current Geek and Cord Killers. Um, and I go through those a few times a day. I, I focus on going through them in the mornings before Daily Tech News Show because that's when I really need to be prepping, but I'll, I'll check in on them. And what I want to do is know that I've seen a headline, so I need to mark it as red, and I want to be able to mark the important stuff for later so that I can pull it and put it into a doc. And that's, uh, they have a save for later feature in Feedly. It used to be a star feature on Google Reader. And I basically just do that. I look through the feeds. I mark stuff that I think is going to be important for later. Uh, and then from there, I will. Well, let me interrupt there for one second. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Have you ever considered dropping RSS? Uh, yeah, because that's kind of a thing now. People are like, oh, well, no. I'm just going to read I, Twitter or I'm going to. I want to make sure, and I, and I have a curated list of sources that I've developed over the years that I feel like if they don't break the story, they're always going to be very quick at pointing to the story. Uh, I want to make sure that I've looked at everything from all of these pl- sources. See, I'm like you. I, I'm like you. I have never everybody. Every time someone says, well, I'm just going to do Twitter or I'm just going to do some app on my iPad that's going to show me some news. Oh, well, Flipboard's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just not interested in that. I want to know. I'm, I, I will be very deliberate about what sources go in my RSS feed. And I don't have as many probably as you do, frankly, but I do have feeds in there and I do want to see every article that those people put out. It doesn't mean I'll read everyone, but I, I, I still really think RSS is a great technology. Yeah, and for Daily Tech News Show, I'm concerned with making sure I didn't miss anything, right? Uh, So I have lots of systems in place to kind of check myself and double check and find out what's getting buzz and what's important. Uh, But Twitter is is definitely something I pay attention to, and I've I've been alerted to stories by looking at Twitter for sure, but I wouldn't rely on it exclusively because I just don't feel that it's comprehensive enough. Or even let's say if somebody's like, well, you can make a list and you can have all those same sources that are in your RSS feed and have that list in Twitter. It's not as easy to manage and know what I've seen and what I haven't and where I can start and finish. 
Uh, and RSS is just very elegant for that. It's very easy for me to see, okay, I've looked at those headlines. I can mark them as read and I can save these things for later and I've got a folder for that. It just It's suited to the task uh, specifically in the way that I need it to be. And what apps do you use on your various devices to access your Feedly feeds? I use, use Feedly. Okay. <laughs> I use Feedly. their app. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I haven't. I used to use Reader uh, when I used Google Reader. And then when Google Reader said it was closing up shop, I switched to Feedly to make sure that Feedly would work for me. And Reader didn't integrate with Feedly at the time. Is that the Reader, reader with two E's? The, yeah. Yeah. That's the yeah. one. Yeah. It's a good app. And when. And when you mark something as, as a starred or something you want to come back to later, are you just doing that within – because I don't use Feedly on the web. So forgive me if this is a silly question. I, I use it within usually Mr. Reader or another app. Mm-hmm. Are you doing that within Feedly or are you then sending it to like another read it later, later service like Instapaper or Pocket or, or one of those? No, I use Pocket for my own personal like this is a really long in-depth article that I, I want to get back to when I have more time to read leisurely. Uh, but I just use the save for later feature within Feedly, whether it's on the, uh, the, the desktop or whether it's in the app, uh, I kind of mostly rely on my tablet and my laptop in the mornings when I'm just like waking up, I'll use the tablet and use the Feedly app there to go through and mark stuff. And then later on when I'm, I'm actually going to be using the Google doc and transferring things and I haven't quite got to that, but I use a Google doc to make my rundowns. I'll, I'll want to have the laptop so I can have more than one window open. Cool. So you go through kind of the, the first couple of read-throughs multiple times a day. You star the things that you, you want to read later or you, that you want to follow up on or, or you think may make potential topics. How do you narrow down and then actually create uh, the list of topics that you're going to cover, either, say, on Daily Tech News Show or, or, or on your other shows? Yeah, the, the Daily Tech News Show is probably the best example because it's the most hands-on and the most selection uh, I, I can go into everything as I, I assume that's what you guys want, right? Yeah. Uh, go into everything. So essentially, uh, throughout the day after the show, all the way through until the morning of the next day, I'll be checking in on Feedly and marking stuff, right? And then at about 1030 in the morning, shows at 1.30 p.m. Pacific, so 1030 in the morning, I will sit down and I will go through all of the things I've marked. I'll pull out Anything that is for Current Geek, anything that's for Cord Killers, anything that's for Sword and Laser, I will open those up into tabs in Chrome. And, uh, and then uh, a friend of Allison Sheridan's uh, was very nice to write me a, an Apple script that I... Is that Dorothy? Yeah, it's Dorothy. Yeah, Dorothy uh, wrote the Apple script that mounts my Drobo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's great. Dorothy's yeah. fantastic. Uh, and that, that, all it does is open all the tabs in Chrome... Uh, and and then take the titles and the URLs and put them in text edit. And that makes it easy for me to cut and paste the names and links of all that stuff into a Google Doc for all those various shows. So I, I'm essentially take, I'm taking the harvesting for the weekly shows and getting it out of the way first, all the things that don't matter for Daily Tech News Show that I've been marking. That leaves me with Feedly uh, just having the things that are appropriate to Daily Tech News Show still marked as saved for later. I will then uh, have that in a tab. I'll open Google News in a tab, and I will look at what Google News's technology section says are the most important stories at the time. And I'll either, if, if it's a story that I've marked in Feedly, I'll open the source that I marked in Feedly, because that's the one I'm familiar with, or I will open it from Google News, and I'll keep it in, keep those tabs 
in the order in which they appeared in Google News. And that'll leave me with a few things that are still marked in Feedly that weren't important to Google News, and then I'll have everything in the Google News order. Then the next thing I do is I take that Google News tab and I open TechMeme. And I do the same thing again with what TechMeme says is important, moving the tabs to the left of the TechMeme tab from the Google News side, if they were in both, and then opening the TechMeme links that weren't in Google News to the right, unless they were in my Feedly, in which case I open from, from Feedly and put them to the right. So I get a look at the end of that. Of These are the things that are mentioned as important by both Google News and TechMeme. And then to the right are the things that were in one or the other, but not both. And then I'll do the same thing again with the Daily Tech News Show subreddit. Uh, and at the end of that, I'll still have a few things in Feedly that I thought were important, but weren't important in any of those other three sources. And I'll open those all the way to the far right. Then I'll take a look through and I'll kind of do a... A, a qualitative assessment of anything to the right side and go, okay, that's probably not that important. I'll close a few tabs and then I'll hit that uh, script from Dorothy again. That gives me a list of everything that's there and I'll cut and paste that into the daily tech news show rundown as for consideration. The things that were to the left that were, were mentioned in multiple places will go up on the top so that I know those are likely the top stories and then down below are all the other things that might still catch some buzz or be worth a second consideration. I'm doing that between 10.30 and 11. Uh, from the time I finish that until about noon, I'm working on my discussion stories. Uh, usually I'm in cooperation with the guest to say like, okay, here are some of the big stories of the day. Do we want to discuss that? Do we want to discuss something else that you've been working on? Depends on the guest. Some guests are just like, whatever the big story is, let's discuss that. Other guests have been working on something that they want to talk about. Uh, for instance, today, Dan Patterson was on the show and he had been to Egypt where he was training Sudanese media makers in how to use Android uh, to do publishing. So we talked about that, even though that wasn't big news of the day, just because it was fascinating. Um, but anyway, so I, I'm working on that discussion story and researching that and looking for links up until noon. And then at noon, I repeat that process from 1030, not entirely with the opening of the tabs. I'm more taking notes and text edit. Uh, and I'm just looking to see, like, how has it changed? What are the stories that are important in both places? And then what are the stories from the subreddit that get a lot of votes, but even if they aren't in the other places, are really interesting or getting a lot of buzz? And that's where the alchemy comes in. That's where I'm sort of crafting it, looking at it from the point of view of like, okay, those, those are the obvious hot stories. These are stories that I think are important and they're getting some buzz. And these are the stories that the audience thinks are important in our subreddit. And then I put those in, write those as headlines, and that's how we get Daily Tech News Show. But, but your research yeah. is really a series of organized Chrome taps. Yeah, the, the story selection is for sure. Now, each... I skipped over the the hard part, which is essentially sitting there and researching the discussion topic to make sure I know what I'm talking about there. And then once I've done with that final like headline selection, I have to go and read every one of those articles. Sometimes I'll change the link because I realize, oh, this was just pointing to a Reuters story. So I should really link to the Reuters story. Uh, and, and then at the very end, at about one o'clock, when I'm sitting down to get ready, I'll be looking at Feedly again to see, well, did anything else happen during this time that I need to write up on the fly. Sometimes you'll have two or three of those. Sometimes you won't have any. 
Yeah, that's the that's the kicker, isn't it? You spend all the time getting ready, and because it's a news show, anything can change up to the minute you go on. Yeah, the air. why don't people just stop making news for a certain part part of the day? It would just be so much easier for journalists. Yeah, well, Katie well, and I were smart enough when we started the show. We said we're never going to do news because neither one of us have any capability of doing it. But you know, it's funny. I'm uh, with our show. I I can tell you when we first started out. I would have very detailed outlines of a lot of things in the show that I was getting through web research. And that over the years has changed as well, where I, I broadcast much of the show from tabs in Safari. Yeah. Not, not, I mean, I have an outline and I have ideas, but, but a lot of the work, I think it, it is a very elegant solution and it doesn't take a lot of time to put it together. It's funny. I used to, when I did Buzz Out Loud back in the day, all we would do is we would pick 10 links, 10 stories, uh, roughly. It wasn't exactly 10. It just kind of depended on the day. And then I would open those in Firefox tabs. Uh, and that was it. That was that was all the preparation. That was all the, the rundown. And it just, over time, you realize, well, I need a little bit of a safety net to prevent myself from forgetting something, saying something stupid, misunderstanding things that that should have easily been caught. Uh, and so that's that's what led me to this system of like, I want to I want to make sure I get what I think are the stories that people need to hear about and that I can understand and explain to people. Uh, and I want to leave enough time so that I'm really focusing on discussion stories, because that's where we're going to dig in and, and, and come up with a lot of ideas. And I, I really want to know those stories really well, not just a, a one page read up of it. Remember when Firefox was a thing? <laughs> just hearing you say <laughs> and, that and now there's chrome brought back fond memories <laughs> yeah i tell you what firefox is my secure browser still to be honest oh, is it uh yeah if i if i ever want to do anything where i i want to lock it down i go to firefox uh i chrome is great for for syncing tabs across and bookmarks and everything like that and i use it that way uh on purpose but i don't necessarily trust it the, you know the last few weeks i've rediscovered duck duck go again Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever tried them there? It's pretty good. Yeah, I've 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 dipped into their pond here and there yeah, over the years. A, and I mean, they just added like image search and video search, I think. Yeah, although the video search is just YouTube. It's not Vimeo. But the um Yeah, so it's the same as Google. Yeah, and if you go to yeah, exactly <laughs> if you go to next duck duck dot duck duck do got got.com it's kind of the beta of their new design it looks really nice and it's got faster and and better um that you know the big selling point of DuckDuckGo is we don't track you you know so and i think a lot of people i'm not sure how big of a deal that really is sometimes i talk about it and i think that i'm just howling howling at the wind yeah and there's you know there's disconnect me for chrome you know there's lots of extensions that you can use uh, to protect yourself, but the the bulletproof extensions that that seem to to be time tested and and more often recommended by security professionals end up being for Firefox for some reason. Well, Tom, I want to dig a little bit more into your your podcasting setup and and talk a little bit more about the podcasting nitty gritty. Uh, before we do that, I want to take a quick break here and talk about our first sponsor for this episode, um, and that is the fine folks over at Connected Data and their product, the Transporter. So, as you may know, Transporter is a storage device that lets you create your own private cloud uh, that you can use to sync, access, store, and protect and share your data. Um, People at Transporter think that it's better than any other cloud solution, and I tend to agree with them, because you can control where your files are stored and who has access to them, and the communications are encrypted. So 
if we're all probably familiar with Dropbox, and if you like Dropbox, you're going to love Transporter. Um, right out of the box with Transporter version 2.0, you create an account, you create a folder on your Mac or PC, it holds all the documents that you want to sync between your computers, and boom, you're up and running and you start syncing the same a simple setup that you're used to. You drag and drop data or information into your folders that you want to sync and share. Um, and you can share a folder with a simple right click of your mouse and tell it where you want to go. Uh, you can also share a file by emailing somebody a link and then they can click on it and download the file you want for sharing. But Transporter has a couple of additional tricks up its sleeve. Uh, for one, it's got some privacy built in, which means only you control who has access to the files on your Transporter. That data is not stored on a server. It, and when you erase a file, the copies are erased as well. Transporter also has some special folders. And anything that you put in the special folder, you can sync, like documents, music, pictures, desktop. So you tell it which of these special folders, and it will go ahead and say, okay, I know where that folder is. You can just leave it where it is. I'll go ahead and sync it. Um, and you can store files only on the network. So if you don't want to clutter up your storage space on your Mac, you can have files that are only stored on the network. And probably best of all, once you have your initial investment in the transporter, there are no fees. For example, you can buy a one terabyte transporter for only $249, uh, and you're done. You've got a terabyte of storage where some of the other cloud storage costs you uh, more than that and only for a year of storage. So you have to keep paying and keep paying and keep paying. So... Listeners of Mac Power users can save 10% on their purchase of any transporter model with a hard drive, by, and that's up to $35, using the code MPU10 when you buy at filetransporterstore.com. You can pick up a 500 gigabyte, a 1 terabyte, or a 2 terabyte model. But if you've got your own hard drive handy and you decide that you want to buy their new transporter sync product that you can just plug a USB hard drive in and have the same functionality as, as a transporter, you can do that too. Use the code MPU20 at filetransporterstore.com and you'll save $20. So check them out and thanks to Transporter for their sponsorship of the show. You know, Tom, it's amazing how many questions we get from people about some of the podcast technicalities, like uh, what type of mic do you use and what type of hardware are you running it off of? So why don't you geek out with us for a minute on that, those types of questions? Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, I, I could start with the basics. I, I use what continues to work for me. Uh, and there are going to be audio professionals in the audience who will quail and shiver and, and shake and shake their fists. Uh, but I, you know, what, whatever keeps the audio working for me is, is what I use because for me, the content is what's most important. Um, but I'm definitely in love with my high LPR 40, uh, mic. That's the, it's the microphone. Mic. Uh, it's a great mic. Bob Heil's a great guy. Uh, he's from Southern Illinois. I'm from Southern Illinois. So there's a little bit of a, a local connection there. Uh, but it's just a, a really, uh, really good sounding mic. It has phenomenal noise cancellation as well. Uh, it is a little bit more expensive though. If I, if I were a beginning podcaster, I wouldn't say you have to go drop you know, $320 or whatever, uh, on a PR 40. But when you can get to that point where you can, it's definitely worth the money. Uh, otherwise I use a, uh, Mackie pro FX eight mixer. Uh, and I have that going into a Behringer USB sound card into a Mac mini. Uh, and then I also have the USB port from the pro FX eight that I can uh, additionally go into, uh, my MacBook pro, 
Um, it, it depends on whether I'm doing video or audio, whether I do that. So right now I'm actually off my MacBook Pro. Uh, but if I, if I need to do uh, video, I've got the camera hooked up with a um, Blackmagic device. And I always forget the, the name of this thing because it's got a weird name. But it's like a studio, this Ultra Studio Mini Recorder that takes the HDMI from the camera and converts it to Thunderbolt for the Mac Mini. So that's why I have that Behringer sound card because uh, I was having problems with the the mini jacks on the Mac Mini, so I just went USB sound card, and then I could go analog out of the Mackie into the the Mac Mini and still have that USB port free for other stuff. And then I also daisy chained uh, for my monitor, uh, sort of a mix minus uh, kludge, uh, where I have uh, a port coming out of the Pro FX8. And then a split off of the Behringer headphone jack into a, an old mixer. It's an Alesis Pro that I had lying around that I didn't use anymore. And then that goes into my headphones so I actually can get what's coming out of the Mac Mini as well as what's coming out of, of the mixer. And that came in handy because it's a USB mixer. When I had to do an audio stream for Alpha Geek Radio, I was kind of confused how I was going to hijack that without taking up too many system resources and then realized, well, I can just take what's going into my headphones and send it to Alpha Geek Radio. Uh, so that's what I do during Daily Tech News Show. I have the Mac Mini streaming my audio out on the Google Hangout, which I use for video, and then I have my MacBook Pro hooked up to the Alesis. Probably harder to imagine without seeing it, but that's the basic layout. No, that makes a lot of sense. When you add video, everything just gets a lot more complex. It's ridiculous. And uh, I guess... a. Uh- a question since since you mentioned it, David. Um, I know that uh, Buzz Out Loud eventually went to video, and I know that Twit was big into video, and, and now you're doing video, I think, for all of your shows now. Why did you decide to make the jump to video rather than, than just keep with audio like a, like a lot of other uh, podcasters? Um, what do you f- feel that that brings? And I'm not questioning that it brings something, but I'm, I'm always curious. What what have you found that the video stream brings as as opposed to an audio only stream? Because most people think of, of podcasts, and unless you're you know doing tutorials or, or something visually on the screen, is is just audio only. Yeah, I still keep several of my podcasts as audio only because it's easier to do, and I know I'm not sure it's worth the extra trouble to try to make video happen. But on the other hand, what you get when you go through the trouble to, to do some video is another audience that's wanting to watch something. And as weird as that sounds, even just seeing your expressions, seeing the interplay of looks and reactions, there's all that nonverbal communication that can kind of add something and adds another dimension to what you're talking about. Uh, and it gives you the ability, if, if you can take advantage of it, to, to show B-roll of things, to, to show off a product uh, when you're talking about when I was just talking about my setup, you know, theoretically, I could have held a camera in my hand and you could see the setup as I'm talking about it. So there's definitely advantages to that. I I do think that we're just getting more and more people who are looking for video entertainment, uh, alternate video entertainment, the way podcasting was alternate audio entertainment. Um, part of the reason that I do Daily Tech News Show on video is because I already had everything set up uh, and it just was like, well, I might as well. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to be doing this thing. I want to have a live audience. I love having a chat room that I can interact with while I'm doing the show, especially for that show. Uh, I don't do it for every show, but almost every show. And I kind of feel I feel a little more alone when I don't have that that chat room along when I'm hosting a show. And the video is something that people who want to watch live definitely want to see because they they want to see that pre-show. They want to see the post-show. It's kind of making them part of the show. 
in a, in a lot of ways. But one thing I've done uh, is to say that the video is just of me recording the audio show. I haven't gotten to the point where I'm like doing graphics or, or doing show opens or any of the roll-ins that I was just talking about because that's more expensive uh, to, to do right. And I don't want to do it until I can afford to do it right. Yeah, you know, we can't do video on our show because I, I have a face for radio. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and frankly, if we if we saw Katie's nonverbal reactions to most of the things I say, it would it would just break my heart. To be honest, <laughs> it does it does change the dynamic when you know yeah. people could see you. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Or, would you say I was reading Twitter? I I no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I do think it's the future. I mean, at some point we may incorporate video into our show somehow. But like I said, it it just I'd look at Katie's. It would be absolutely fascinating for the listeners to see how she reacts to me. But it would break my heart. Well, the, uh, the the reason we did it on Buzz Out Loud, uh, there really wasn't a need for video back then. That was probably 2008, 2009 when we started doing video. It was more of that fan fan edition, right? For the people who were who were listening to us live, uh, we could show them us at the same time, you know, and we could have and we that's what really built the chat room was when people could actually see us while we were recording the show. It just, it makes it more of a direct connection. So we were treating it as spy cams. It was really just saying like, hey, you know, be a fly on the wall and watch us as as we record the show. Uh, of course, like any human endeavor, once you start doing something, you keep wanting to improve it until you're sitting in a studio with four cameras and and a TD and and trying to, you know, make it more complicated than it needs to be maybe sometimes. I don't know. Now, the uh, I know with our show with you know we've got pretty a pretty big following and it's not insignificant the amount of bandwidth we use uh, for an audio show. Now, how do you deal with that with a successful uh, video show? I mean, I imagine the bandwidth is is pretty extreme. Yeah, I, I mean, you're talking about the download bandwidth or the streaming bandwidth. Um, I'm not smart enough to know the difference. Well, for the podcast. Uh, for, for one thing, I, I don't really push the video as a, as a pie. I don't have an official video feed. There's been some fans who take the video and make a feed out of it for folks who want it. But I really push it as like, this is audio. And the only official RSS feed for the daily tech news show podcast is audio. Uh, but we host it on archive.org because archive.org exists to preserve the history of the internet. They want you to put your things there already. So you're cutting out a step by saying, let's just put our stuff there. Uh, in the beginning. And that that bandwidth cost is incurred by then. I encourage people, if they can, to support archive.org with donations or any other way that you can help them. They're an open source organization. Uh, so that that's one bootstrap way you can do that kind of bandwidth. Uh, the other kind of bandwidth, which is the streaming of the video, uh, because I use Google Hangout, Google pays for the bandwidth of everybody that's watching the show at the same time. I don't deal with any kinds of servers there. Uh, I have to have Fios, though, to be able to send a consistently decent video signal out to to Google Hangout and to be able to get the video consistently back from my guests as well. Yeah, yeah, and when you think about it, that really is pretty reasonable. So you're going to have Google handling the streaming and then archive to put the, the video. Like if I go to your website, the, the videos are on the website and that's hosted by archive. The videos on Daily Tech News Show are hosted by YouTube, uh, unless you go to that archive.org link, and that's the downloadable yeah. version is there. Yeah. And I, I guess I didn't realize that you could host at archive. Oh, I guess you could make a you make an RSS feed with feeder or something like that and post the, the files wherever you want. Yep, exactly. 
Interesting. Um, and then are, are you mostly Mac and iOS or are you cross-platform these days? Or I try to stay on all the platforms uh, simply because I, I want to know what it's like to use all of them. Uh, so I have a Windows 8 desktop uh, that I use. I used to use it uh, for all of my prep work. Uh, but I, I've started because of Dorothy, frankly, I've started to use the MacBook pro for that because of that, that script that she wrote. Uh, but I still use windows eight for a lot of gaming, uh, and anything where I, I, I need to sit down and have a bigger screen to, to push a bunch of stuff out. And then I have MacBook pro, uh, that I do the, the majority of my research on, uh, and I have a Linux laptop an ultralight. It runs a uh, Linux mint. Um, that I kind of use as my sysadmin laptop. It's, it's, it spends most of its time over by the router, and whenever I need to plug into the router and administer it, uh, I use that. I do take it on trips where I'm not needing to do any heavy-duty editing uh, or anything like that. I'll, I'll take that the Linux laptop with me because it's great. It's much lighter than the MacBook Pro. And then I have, a, I have an iPad. I have a Nexus 7 uh, that I use for different types of, of tablet work. Uh, the only thing I'm not really multi-platform on is my phone, which I, I still have an iPhone 5. Uh, well, I guess – go ahead, Tim. Which iPad? Are you using the, the big one or the little iPad? Oh, no. I don't like the mini. Uh, to me, uh, that's too small. Like the I, iPad – I have the, I have an iPad 3, the new iPad as it was called when it was first announced. Um, the iPad without a number. <laughs> yeah, it was the first yeah. iPad without a number. Exactly. That Apple then abandoned and said, this never existed. We don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was out for seven months, and then they revved it. Yeah, I had one of those, too. I also have a Uh, Microsoft Surface RT, but I didn't mention it because I don't do anything with it. It's actually sitting right now under a Timex Sinclair. I've heard that quite a bit. Under this Timex Sinclair. (laughs) So does that mean you use the Timex Sinclair more? Well, it means I grabbed the Timex Sinclair as a prop more recently than I actually pulled out the RT. I, I remember once when I lusted after a Timex Sinclair a long time ago. Ah, with, yeah. with a little plug-in uh, uh, they were only $99. thermal printer. Yeah, the plug-in thermal printer. The ther- I had the thermal printer as well, too. And you could get the little cards. Yeah, I, I was there with you, man. I was there. You know what it I would, do like? And I, I don't mean to totally diss on the RT. The problem with the RT is you can't get apps for it still. Uh, the Surface Pro, though, if if you're working in a Windows universe because you can do everything that you can do on Windows, is pretty compelling because of that USB port. You get a USB hub uh, attached to it, and, and it's pretty nice. But I don't have one of those. so I think that the, the funny thing is a friend of mine who's a very big Windows user, and he knows about my Mac Sparky side, so he always wants to rub it into me. And he came over to the office to show me his his tablet with office. He says, well, we, I have office on my tablet. And he, at the time he hadn't realized that Microsoft has real released office for the iPad. This was so after we, they'd released office for the yeah, iPad. This was just oh, a couple weeks priceless. ago. Yeah. So then I opened it up and we started comparing it and the version for the surface is really inferior to the version for the iPad. I mean, the, uh, in terms of the touch interface, it's, it's really like they just tried to, to cram the, full version of word into this, this this tablet and uh well that's what it is yeah it's just yeah. it's just the regular version of word on the tablet you're right and he uh he was i i pulled a lot of wind out of his sails that day but i'm sure that they've got something really amazing planned for the service in the office they do that's hope. what they've said yeah, they I have hope. something amazing planned for it um yeah i i actually prefer the nexus 7 for reading 
Uh, I, I kind of use it as a, as a big Kindle and I, and there's some good games on it. And then I use the iPad for video and, and for, uh, for, um, anything multimedia. I, I probably play more games on the iPad, I think. Well, I want to talk about some of that stuff, but before we do, I want to talk about our second sponsor today, and that is lynda.com. lynda.com has over 2,000 high-quality and engaging video courses taught by industry experts, with courses added every single day. Lynda helps anyone learn creative software and business skills to achieve personal and professional goals whenever and wherever you want. I have a lynda.com account. I've had one for several years and I love it. If you want to do anything from increasing your productivity to mastering new software, or building an iOS app, you need to know about lynda.com. And the way it works is you go in and they've got hundreds of these videos and all these different topics and you can add it to your playlist, anyone that you want, and then you can watch it. You get all that for one low monthly price of $25. This is great stuff when you're on the treadmill, by the way. They've got a great little iPad app so you can queue up your video, walk a few miles and learn something. Uh, $25 is not limited. It gives you an unlimited access to the entire course library. Their wide breadth of courses from beginner to advanced make it easy to get the basics in something and then ramp yourself up to expert. It's a breeze to learn whenever and wherever you want on your computer, your tablet, or your mobile devices. I was looking at my Linda uh, playlist, Katie Floyd, and I noticed I've got some good titles in here right now. There's one called iPad Music Production, which I'm looking forward to watch. It's an hour long. Uh, video course all on how to make music on your iPad, which of course I want to watch. Uh, there's also one in my queue right now called Shooting with the iPhone 5S. Somebody made a two hour and 46 minute course on doing some really cool uh, photogra- photography tricks with your iPhone 5S, which again I want to use. I, have you been using the um, the slow mo camera on the 5S, Katie? Oh, you didn't get one right. <laughs> Aren't you I, funny? I, t- I just totally forgot. You know, the the slow mo camera is awesome, so I'm looking forward to learning some stuff about that. I'm also there's a two hour and twenty five minute course called Programming for Non Programmers, and I thought that might be something that would be useful for me. But that's just a small taste of the courses available on Lynda.com. They give you access not only to searchable transcripts, so you can quickly uh, find information within a course, but also closed caption transcripts, so you can follow along with the video. Linda offers a variety of instruction courses at all levels, and they cover a wide range of technical skills, creative techniques, business strategies, and more. They've got a course for everything. So go check out lynda.com. If you're a Mac Power Users listener, there's a special offer to get the entire library free for seven days. So go to lynda.com slash Mac Power Users. That's important. Lynda.com slash Mac Power Users. You're in for seven days. Even if you're not going to sign up, just go in and try for seven days. They don't mind. You're going to learn a ton of stuff. And quite frankly, you might end up signing up anyway. Uh, that's lynda.com slash Mac Power Users. So thank you, Linda, for supporting 5x5 and the Mac Power Users. Tom, before we get into the, the nitty gritty of the, the apps that you use and, and what you use these various devices for, the first question off the top of my head when you started laying out all the devices that you use is how in the world do you manage to keep all of this stuff in sync and keep all of your your files organized on it and know what's where and and what you can do it can you just pick up any of these devices and and go or do you have to give it some thought um mostly i try to use remote services cloud-based services like i mentioned google calendar uh, and, and I, I use Gmail, uh, to access most of my email accounts, not all of them. Uh, so that, that makes it pretty easy cause you can get those across platforms. And that's, that's very important to me when I'm 
deciding what kind of tool I want to use, if it's involving any kind of storage, will I be able to use it across platforms because I want to be able to use it on multiple devices or, or pretty much wherever I am. So I would like to be platform agnostic in all my stuff. Uh, I've been using Dropbox uh, for file sync and I've, I've been using Calendar. Uh, I use Amazon Music uh, as well as Ardio, uh, you know, for, for, for music stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a challenge and, and something that I've tried to refine over the years. It's like, it's got to have an iOS app. It's got to at least have some kind of web accessibility. Uh, and, and it's, it's helpful if it's got apps in, in other platforms as well. You know, I haven't heard you say the word Evernote too much. Are you an Evernote user? Not, no, I, uh, I am one of the unfaithful. I have, I have many, many friends who have tried. Uh, like people will try to get you to watch The Wire on television. I have many friends who've tried to get me to switch to Evernote. And I have tried it. Uh, it's not that I haven't ever used it. But I just saw it as being more complex than I needed, uh, which is why I just use SimpleNote. I'm actually going to start watching The Wire when it comes on Amazon Prime. I hear that's that's coming in the next month or so. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it. they just yeah. made that deal with HBO. I forgot about that. Yeah. The, I, it, it's an interesting call play because when you were at the top of the show, you were talking about how you use SimpleNote to keep track of your notes. And I'm like you. I really like the idea of a simple text system for saving. I don't use SimpleNote. I, use, I just use the basic Dropbox with a bunch of text notes, but I also use NVAlt. And just recently, another friend of mine was saying, you know, you really should just move that whole system into Evernote and you could have notebooks and it would be all great. And, and, you know, my big knock against Evernote for years was it's the Roach Motel of data. You put it in, but it doesn't come out. Um, so I, I did some, I played with Evernote again, just a few days ago. And that's really not true anymore. It, you can put text in there and pull it out, and you can relatively get it out of there format-free. And PDFs seem to come out okay. So it, they, they've they been fixing a lot of that, that complaint I had. But you're right. It still is a lot of overhead. I mean, it does a lot more than just manage text. And I haven't decided in my head yet if I want to even think about that transition because it, it would be a significant project. It would give me more options, like I could add PDFs and pictures and some other things to those types of notes that I take, which might be quite useful. But it's also, you know, throwing all my eggs in one basket. Yeah, I, I waiting for that moment where I say, oh, I really need to do this and I can't find anything to do it. And somebody's like, Evernote is the thing that does that for you that you need to do. And I haven't had that. I'm not saying it doesn't exist for people. I, I know it does. And Evernote's great. I totally get why Rafe Needleman uses Evernote. He explained it to me uh, years ago before he ever worked for them. Uh, and, and I saw, I'm like, oh yeah, if I needed to do what you're doing, that would be the solution. But it, it's just never been the best solution or at least the, you know, the one that's like, well, the, it's worth putting up with installing this, the system and getting involved in it. And like you said, there was that Roach Motel aspect, although it's good to know that they've got a little more data portability now, but I do know that all my simple note stuff in notational velocity is synced locally and it's synced locally on my apps and everything. And it, it's, it does what I need. So I, I try to approach things from the back, you know, in a lot of ways uh, to say, I, want to find the thing that just does what I need it to do and doesn't waste my time or distract me with things that I don't need it to do. 
Agreed. Agreed. It, it, that's a challenge. I, it's it's more of an option. Uh, Evernote's more of an option to me now than it ever was, but I'm still not sure that I'm ready to just jump in with both feet because I've got something like, you know, 1,200 text notes and the system works for me. Do I really want to screw with it? I mean, all I do in Simple Note is I have a list of uh, next actions, things that, that don't need to happen today, but they need to happen. I have a list of of, uh, of things that I'm waiting. It's called my waiting list because I've asked somebody else to do it and I, I need to check back. I have a couple other lists that I really don't look at, things like projects. Uh, I don't have a very project-oriented life. Uh, it's it's all very rep- – all, all the tasks are very replicated, uh, which is probably one of the reasons that Evernote doesn't work for me as well is because it's very much about projects. Um, and then I use calendar for, for the things that I, most of what I do are things that like just need to be done that day, either at a particular time or just by the end of the day. Well, just listening to your workflow earlier about how you, I mean, a big portion of your day is spent preparing for your tech news podcast. And that is not something where you need to make a checklist. Okay. Now open Chrome check now, you know, now, now sort tabs check. It's just something that you do. And that doesn't require a task list, which makes uh, you lucky in that sense. I mean, um, Katie and I have a you know day jobs that don't involve you know that repeated task where we have to have these lists or we'll never get anything done. And um, uh, well, it's, that it's, makes total it's, sense to me. It's a de- it's definitely a grass is greener situation, right? Because yeah. uh, what I kvetch about to myself sometimes is, oh, I've got this post in the ground every day that I have to hit at 1.30 p.m. And I can never just be like, oh, well, you know, today's really busy. I'll do the show tomorrow. No, you can't. It's, I've always got to do the show every day uh, where a more project-oriented system has deadlines, but they are somewhat malleable. You know, you can say, oh, well, let's adjust and let's not do that today because we want to spend more time on this. When you're doing something daily, which I've done now for years, I mean, it was Buzz Out Loud at one time and it was screensavers back when I was working at Tech TV. Um, there's something that, that is so unflexible about that, but you're pointing out the benefit, which is you don't have to give yourself that deadline because it's already there. Like it it, it makes you like get your stuff done. I'll I'll never forget once got my, uh, my wife used to work nights. So every night I would, and my daughters were younger. I, every night I would take care of, take care of my daughter and, Every night, you know, we would play, we would, I'd make her dinner, we would read a book and she'd go to bed. And then afterwards I would pick up, I would clean all the dishes. I would set up lunch for, for daycare the next day. You know, it's like, it was this list of everything. And I remember one night saying tomorrow night, I'm going to do the exact same thing. And then the night after that, I'm going to do the exact same thing. (laughs) And it just like, it was like a little picture of madness. When you start to think about it, you're going to pick up the same toys. You're going to be preparing the same meals you're gonna be doing the same thing i, I get it. a little bit of groundhog day there yeah. well while we're while we're kind of talking about some of your your specific apps and and how you're getting things done let's talk a little bit about how this works um you know from a working from from home perspective because that's always something you know again it's, it's also a grass is greener thing where i think gosh it would be really nice to to have this flexibility and be independent and be able to to work from home and not have to get up at 6 a.m. every day and, and go go to a day job where they expect you to be there from a certain time to a, a certain time. But it also takes, I'm sure, a great deal of, of discipline to to stay on track and to, um, you know, get everything that you need done. How do you 
and I know you've been doing it for a while now, but how did that transition work for you from, from going somewhere where you would always go into the office and have things to do and to, to now being at home? Yeah, it's, it is a challenge, uh, in the respect that you don't look like you're at work, right? So if, if people are around, uh, then they tend to not respect the boundaries, the, maybe the way they would in the workplace. Same time when I was, when I was at CNET, you know, even with an office, people would just walk in and talk to you (laughs) all the time. Right. A lot of, and and my wife with her job, sometimes she'll come home to get work done because she she can't deal with, with people just constantly coming over and talking and interrupting with work stuff, not, not even just goofing off, but you know, just taking advantage of the ability to interact face to face. So it's a balance. Uh, but the one thing I would never trade if I, if I can get away with it is the, the lack of a commute, uh, that, that, immensely improves your lifestyle. Even with, we moved to Los Angeles about a year and a half ago for my wife's job and we made sure we lived close to where she works. She has a 15 minute commute and that alone has changed her whole approach to work because she doesn't have to drive 30 minutes and deal with a bunch of traffic. Um, but not having to deal with traffic at all, total, total thing that I never want to give up. On the other hand though, yeah, it's, it's, remembering that you're at work and not getting distracted. And one of the reasons when I went through my list of what I do for Daily Tech News Show that I have that 1030, I do this, 11, I do this, is an effort to make sure that, you know, I'm I'm staying on target and getting everything I need done in time for the show. You know, a 15-minute commute in L.A. is a feat. You should be impressed. Yeah. There is no – I didn't know that such a thing existed. No, the only way you do that is if you move – specifically for a single job, right? There's, there's no other way of accomplishing that. If she ever changes jobs, you got to move move again. Yeah. That's not a pain. Um, so it it sounds like your, your schedule is, is very regimented because you, you, you have the daily tech news show that there are certain goals that you have to hit every day and certain things that you have to do at certain times. And I, I know that some of your shows are, are, are a little more free flow and, and you record them on, on random schedules, but most of it, your shows, it seems they, they come out on a certain day at a certain time. And, and that's when you, when you schedule them. So does your, I mean, it sounds like you don't have a true task management system of choice and your, your calendar really becomes that task management system for you. Yeah, I make, a, I make an all-day event uh, for, for things that I put in there. I'll, I'll give you tomorrow's uh, tasks because uh, I have Current Geek at 4 o'clock. Actually, let me, let me rewind a little bit. Uh, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays, I have a second show at 4 o'clock. So before that 1030 daily tech news show intensity starts, I'll do a little preparation for those. I'll make sure that they've got their links in order, maybe take some more notes. But then after the daily tech news show is done, which I'm usually done with everything for that between 2.30 and 3 for, you know, posting and editing and all of that, uh, I'll start really making sure that I've got all the notes written for cord killers or if it's sword and laser day that I, I've got my part of the rundown done. Veronica does part of it as well. Uh, and in current geek, same thing uh, is just going through and finalizing prep. So that has to be done outside of that central part of the day. And then uh, like tomorrow um, I have, yeah, tomorrow's a bad example here. I'll give you my Monday list for next Monday. I have to prep the cord killers lineup at some point during the day before cord killers. I have to send the, uh, daily tech news show next day guest email to remind the guest, Hey, we're, we're going to have you on tomorrow. Uh, I have to write and post the today in tech history 
blog posts. Uh, and then I've got some other things that I want to do on my own, like run, uh, toss something out. I, I try to do that every day. Just look for something that you don't need anymore and either put it in a donut bo- donate box or if, it, if it's just an old box that needs to be thrown away, throw it away. Do some writing and editing. And I'm, I'm using Duolingo uh, to try to learn a little Spanish as well. And you, you're reading books for Sword and Laser. Yeah, I, I audiobooks have doubled my ability to read books uh, because when I'm cooking or walking the dogs uh, or running, I can be reading books. Uh, I, I try to read books at night, but Veronica and I both have the same problem where we start to read at night and we just fall right off to sleep. Uh, so I, when I have to read a book uh, on my tablet, uh, or even in print, I'll try to do that in the morning and set myself kind of a daily page goal to make sure I get it done in time. Yeah, we're we're big fans of audiobooks in our house, and it's funny because my daughter, my twelve year old, and I both really like science fiction and fantasy, and she she we we share these long books together, and I walk in her room sometimes, she's got this vacant look in her face, <laughs> and it takes me a minute to realize she's got the headphones in, and she's, she's listening, to, listening to a book. Uh, we should talk about that. So, Katie, am I allowed to talk a little bit about Sword and Laser? Yes, go talk about Sword and Laser. So, I'm putting out a timer, though. Okay. <laughs> so uh, have you read the new Brandon Sanderson book, the new uh, – um, what's it called? The radi- Words of Radiance? Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Uh, no, I just I finished it. It's good. It's good. No, I'm reading – right now I'm reading Influx by Daniel Suarez uh, on my own just for fun. The current pick for Sword and Laser is The Martian by Andy Weir, which I have oh, read okay. as well. I've finished that already and it's amazing. That, that was a good book. You know, I, I don't know. I did that one with the audio book. It felt kind of like a serial to me. So the story for people out there listening, and I bet a lot of our listeners would like The Martian. It's uh, They go to Mars, and it's you know, 20, 30 years in the future, and there's a problem, and they have to evacuate quickly, and somebody gets left behind. And they, they, they assume he's dead, but he's not, and he has to figure out a way to, to survive. And he happens to have two very good skills. He's an engineer and a botanist. So you know, how is he going to stay alive for four years on Mars? Man, it's, it, it, you know, it's a pretty good. That was and a the thing that Andy book. Weir did, which I found impressive, was he did a lot of research, including talking to people at NASA about what was actually possible. Even given, you know, just a few years in the future, maybe something that they weren't implementing yet, but was currently technologically possible. He didn't he didn't come up with a bunch of like made up stuff to solve problems and wave his hands. So his character has to deal with pretty much current technology to get by. And I don't want to give away any spoilers, but it, it changes the way I will look at Thanksgiving dinner for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So on Sword and Laser, is it, do you say Sword or Sword? Because, see, I grew up saying Sword, and I haven't got over that. But every what, time I say is, it on this show. I've never heard that before. What is either. that? It's, it's Batleth to you, Katie. Uh, but I say uh, Sword. Sword. Yes, sword. I thought about it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's this podcast where you guys um, – it, it's kind of like the um, the bookend for me with with The Incomparable. If I – you know, for the geek side of me, yeah, this yeah. podcast along with Incomparable, I really can get exposure to a lot of great books. Oh, and, I'm honored and, to be included uh, with that. Incomparable is a great show. Yeah, and like you guys get some really great interviews like you just did N.K. Jemison, who wrote the uh, – I read her first book. I haven't read the second one yet. But like you, the only way I get to read these is long commutes. I, I haven't read a fiction book with you know turning pages for years now. 
Yeah, it's it, like I said. I mean, it it really helps uh, to increase your ability to read. I mean, I, I was just driving out uh, to a meeting at a coffee shop, and I could listen to a book on the way there. Right, just toss toss the phone in, plug it into the aux jack, and you're on your way. Okay, so have you ever been guilty of getting somewhere and just staying in your car because you want to hear what's going to happen next? Yeah, yes. a couple times for sure. Yeah. Well, yes. you too, Katie? sitting sitting in the garage. Wait, waiting. Yes. Um, I think the first into thin air, I mean, uh, not a, not a tech book or a, or a geeky book, but it was about the, the failed climb to, to the top of Everest. I, I read that or I listened to that once on a drive to Atlanta and I had about 30 minutes left. And when I pulled into my hotel, I, I sat in the parking lot of the hotel for 30 minutes to finish it. No kidding. Yeah. It'll, yeah. There's certain books will do that to you. You're like, I just have to find out what happens here. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, uh, going independent and, and cause that's been a big thing for you this, this past year. Um, so let's, let's start heading in that direction. But before we go there, I do want to talk about our, our third sponsor for the show and that is SaneBox. And I first learned about SaneBox from this guy who wrote a book about email. And I thought, you know, what is it that I need with a service that will try to manage my email for me? And what SaneBox does is it will filter your email for you in a couple of ways. It tries to keep in your inbox only those emails that really matter. And by default, uh, you, you start with one folder, a same later folder. And so all of your really important emails go into the inbox and everything kind of else goes into the same later folder where you can deal with it later. And the more you train it and the more emails it has exposure to, the smarter it gets. It's actually kind of freakishly smart. And then you can start adding folders. Like if you get spam, you can add a same black hole and any email that you put in there, you'll never get another email from that person again. And then you can add snooze folders. So if you want to defer email until maybe the next business day or if it comes in over the weekend until the next Monday or maybe it's something you want to deal with next week, throw the email into the appropriate folder and it will pop back in your inbox at the appropriate time. Or maybe you want to remind yourself of something. So I sent David an email, but he hadn't replied yet. So I'll just CC or BCC one week at sanebox.com. And if I don't get a, a reply from David next week, I'll get an email saying, uh, hey, Deadbeat David hasn't actually replied to your email. You may want to follow up on that. And so that's a little bit about what SaneBox will do. And, you know, I initially thought, why do I need a service to filter my email? I mean, I'm the Mac Power user here. I've got Gmail. It's pretty good spam filtering. And I've got, like, at that time, pages and pages and pages worth of Gmail rules set up. I, I have got this under control. And I, inst I will admit that I installed SaneBox when they became a, a sponsor of the show and to try it out. And two days later, I opted for the full whole everything account because what SaneBox did to my inbox in two days was better than anything else that I had done with any of my filters and all the frustration trying to manage that uh, in, in years of trying. So uh, SaneBox has revolutionized the way that I manage my email, uh, and, and hopefully you'll find it useful for you too. Uh, you can find out more information by going to SaneBox.com MPU. 
And if you use that URL, you'll actually save $10 on any plan if you decide to buy. Um, but you can go ahead and try it out first with, with no commitment. They'll let you try it for two weeks. And uh, if you decide to buy it, make sure that you check out that URL and um, save up to 10 bucks. Uh, plans start at only $4 a month, so that could be a couple of months free of SaneBox for you. Uh, so check them out. Thanks to SaneBox for their sponsorship of the show. You know, when you called me, when you finally got into SaneBox, you were kind of giddy that day. You were I really... felt like I'd come out of the cave. Yeah, isn't it great? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Tom, let, let's talk a little bit about going independent, because you made the announcement earlier this year um, that, that you were going to go completely independent with your podcasting. And um, I had such great respect for you doing that. And I was so pleased to see how the community has just swelled up and, and supported you. And, you know, certainly it, it, it seems to be going, going well for you. Um, you know, David and I, when, when we launched this, this measly little podcast, you know, we just figured, you know, maybe, maybe our family would listen as it turns out, our family doesn't listen pretty much at all to any of our podcasts. Um, but, uh, you know, what, um, you know, did that take a, I mean, I'm surely that was a big leap of faith on, on your part to just kind of step over the cliff and say, okay, I, hopefully there'll, there'll be people down there to, to catch me. Yeah. I, I found myself with, with, without anything, uh, at the beginning of January and I got a couple of offers to, to join organizations and I sort of held off, um, because I wanted to see if I could make this work entirely independent. I wasn't, sure that it would. Uh, but I wanted to at least give it a shot because something about podcasting and, and just about the internet since, since I've been using the internet, you know, all the way back into the nineties, uh, that's fascinated me is that, you know, you've got a much more level playing field than, than you've ever had partly because of the reach. Uh, and you were alluding to this earlier, David, like you can find those people with like interests and have a conversation in a way that you just couldn't before. You couldn't find each other. You're physically too far separated. Uh, and and then this, you know, the the sort of the broadcast power has been leveled as well. Any, anybody can make a podcast. And not that it's entirely a level playing field, but you are more likely to be judged on, on your ability to do something, uh, at least if you can get people uh, to listen and follow. And since I had a number of people and I had that, that, that were already following me from CNET and from Twit, uh, I went ahead and I, I tried Daily Tech News Show. And the reason I called it Daily Tech News Show at the, in the very first place was I wanted to have a generic name that would be easy to change uh, once I actually figured out what I really was going to do. Uh, and it ended yeah, up how'd just, that work out for you? Yeah, it just <laughs> ended up sticking. Uh, after a certain amount of period, people are like, "Yeah, oh, it's DTNS. That's what that's what it is." I'm like, "Well, I guess I'm just going to keep that." Uh, then at least it's good SEO because uh, it describes what the show is actually about. Uh, but yeah, it was incredibly frightening to to take that leap. And at the same time, Brian Brushwood and I were taking Cord Killers Independent. He suggested we try Patreon which I knew about. I had actually uh, set up a Patreon for one of my podcasts, It's a Thing, uh, back in the summer, but we decided against it for various reasons. And I was like, well, all right. So we tried it with Cord Killers and we got amazing response uh, right away. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess we can do this for Daily Tech News Show. Now, the way Patreon works is people pledge a certain amount per work. So if you're a musician, it's 
every CD I put out, you'll give me an X, X amount of money. Or if you're an artist, every print that I make available, you'll give me X amount of money. Uh, for Cord Killers, because it's a weekly show, it worked very well to say, for every show we put out, you pledge, you know, a dollar. Uh, for Daily Tech News Show, because it's a, it's a daily, you're talking about at least 20 episodes a month. It seemed like kind of a big ask, so I just made it monthly. And Brian was the one who said, you know what you should say is just get, ask people for a dollar a month, which is a nickel a show, five cents a show. Uh, and he, he's like, if, and then if, you know, that makes it feel like you're not asking for the world. And frankly, if you get enough of an audience, that's plenty. And it's exactly worked out the way he suggested. Uh, in March, we, we finally hit our first goal of sustainability for an audio podcast. It's myself and a woman named Jenny Josephson, who's worked for both CBS News and Yahoo, uh, who's helping me produce it. And we're able to do the show now uh, exactly as it is uh, sustainably, thanks to Patreon. And, and the more patrons we get, the more we can do with it. Uh, and we may make that video official down the road if we can if we can get enough money to pay for editors and 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 pay for people to help put it together all the time um but but yeah i I've, I've been stunned by the number of people who are willing to say yeah you know we we want to see this continue so we'll we'll kick in a buck now i i understand the concept behind patreon um how does it work from um if you know both a both a content creator's perspective, but then also a contributor's perspective, I would imagine that there are, there's some type of, of checks and balances, but also limits you can put on it. So, you know, Tom, you, you can't just release, you know, 20 shows of, of 10 seconds of dead air each or something like that. And all of a sudden, cha-ching, 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 you know. I, right, right. Yeah. No, you can, you can put a maximum amount that would, especially for those episodic shows, you can say, I will pledge $2 a show but I won't pay more than $8 in a month uh, okay. so that you're like, I'll pay $2 a show as long as there's only four shows. If you start just putting out crazy shows, uh, then forget it. And then you can also withdraw your pledge at any time. If, if they start putting out silent uh, episodes and just charging you for it, you can cancel it right away. And there's, there's even dispute uh, mechanisms that Patreon handles for you. So, so it kind of, it doesn't indemnify you, but, but it at least has a third party involved, which is one of the appeals to it over PayPal is that you have this centralized community that you can use to, to gain people's trust. It has that Kickstarter mentality where you reach out with messages and you let people know, Hey, we really appreciate you. You can see who the, who the folks are. You can do special things for them. Uh, whereas, you know, the PayPal donation is great, but it's very impersonal. And then I would assume that you have some kind of method where you tell Patreon that, yes, I actually put out a show or do they track it like by an RSS feed or? Yeah, with uh, with Daily Tech News Show, it's just a monthly pledge. Like I'm pledging per month for Daily Tech News Show to exist. So it's really it's up to the, the listener to decide if I stop doing it to be like, well, wait a minute, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to want to pledge that. Uh, so it is, there's a little burden there. If it's per episode or per work. Uh, you have to publish the work through the Patreon system as a paid post. And and for things like Cord Killers, what we do is we send a YouTube link to that episode and say, okay, here's here's the episode uh, that you're paying for this week. And and actually what we do, we have two episodes of Cord Killers every week. There's the Cord Killers show itself, and then there's uh, a special called It's Spoiler in Time, where we, we talk about shows that we've been watching and we, we spoil them because we're talking about them because we've watched them. Uh, and what we do actually is Cord Killers is made available 100% free 
it's only the bonus episode that the patrons get through the paid post. Patrons get it on Monday. Everybody else gets it in the feed on Wednesday. It's kind of fun because we're all in this new emerging kind of new media and there's all these new methods and ideas about how do you make money off of it and how do you make a living creating this content. And I, I think it's exciting seeing the different models that are showing up. Um, when you went out on your own, what were the parts that just kind of slapped you in the face? The parts you had no idea were going to be a problem, but were a problem. <laughs> um, time. Uh, I, I, part of it I was, I was prepared for because I've been doing independent podcasts for a long time. Like I mentioned, Sword and Laser has been independent for a long time. So there were certain things that I knew, okay, this is, this is going to be a problem and I was prepared for them. Uh, time, time management was the biggest problem that I had uh, because suddenly everything had to be built from the ground up. It wasn't just like, okay, well, I was doing a daily tech news show that wasn't called Daily Tech News. I was doing Tech News Today in December, so I'll just kind of port over the time that I was spending on that to do Daily Tech News Show. That was fine. That actually worked out pretty equivalent. But there were all of the other things I had to do to get it set up, uh, to start contacting people and letting people know that I had a new show. And then and then talking to to Jenny and getting her on board as a producer and then talking about the, the procedure for promoting it and getting it submitted. In. All those things that you have to do at the beginning, all those sunk costs from your time uh was the was the thing that that surprised me i guess it su- didn't surprise me but it was the, like oh god this is a lot harder than i thought it was going to be uh because for pretty much the entire month of month of january and and a good part of february i was working from the moment i got up in the morning until 10 p.m at night on just getting everything done yeah i bet, I bet the beginning it was a rush <laughs> and uh and, and i was also trying to do a bunch of different things because I wasn't sure which ones would work. And so I wanted to, I didn't want to get stuck with like, Oh, I was only doing that one thing and it didn't pan out. Now I'm now, what do I do? What do you attribute to things calming down a little bit? Is it just you've, you've knocked out things or is it that you, uh, you feel like you've gotten more efficient at things or. It's a, it's a little bit efficiency. Uh, certain things, get easier as they become more familiar, right? Uh, when you're doing something new, at first, you have to think about it every time, right? And then over time, it becomes habit. And you just know like, oh, the first thing I do is is uh, create the blog post and then I create the Hangout invite and then I switch it to studio mode. You know, like you don't have to have it all written down. So it, it takes less time. You don't have to be like, I have to be in the chair 45 minutes ahead of time to make sure... I get everything right. So that efficiency plays in it a lot. But a, a lo- another large part of it is is just things that only have to be done once. Uh, but there's a lot more of them than you might think. Uh, you know, writing descriptions, setting up a blog, creating uh, a feed, uh, creating a description for that feed, troubleshooting that, uh, having technical issues. That's another big one that, that you tend to want to forget. I think it's human nature to think, oh, well, it'll all go well. And it never does, obviously. You know, you're going to have things break and then you'll have to fix them. And you have to, you have to build that into your expectations that there's always going to be a certain amount of troubleshooting and things that won't work. And then dealing with outreach to people who are like, hey, I, I signed up for your feed, but I'm not getting it. Uh, in fact, for podcasting, it was so much easier in 2007 uh, when all you had was iTunes, right? You just you, you might have submitted to Odeo or a bunch of other places, but really, once you got into the iTunes store, you were good. Uh, and today, 
there's so many people that are listening in apps and they don't understand RSS feeds. Uh, to them, it's you go into the app, you search for the show, you add the show. And so until your show shows up in, in an index on their preferred app, they're going to say, like, why can't I get your show? And you're like, well, you can. You just take the RSS feed and put it in manually. But you got to teach people that. Uh, so that was another thing that I, I had not. It, I'm pretty sure there's not a whole lot of that going on out there. <laughs> you know, What, the people, manual? Yeah. Yeah, not anymore. Well, it uh, used, to, it used it, to be, but not anymore. Yeah, to some respects in doing tech shows, we're probably insulated a little bit from that because our audience is pretty tech savvy and is is able to f- f- you know to some degree fiddle around with it and and figure that out but but yeah i mean when when someone emails me or or twitters us and says your feed's not working uh you know if i get four or five of those emails or tweets i'm starting to think there's a problem you know but when you get the one random one you're just like i, I have no idea well, you know yeah like what your problem could be, be so many things right yeah and, and quite often it's just like they've got an app that for some reason isn't playing nice that day yeah or That's, or their isp is is acting up and it has nothing to do with you or they just happened to hit a glitch where the downloads were slow for a while and you know there could be all kinds of reasons well, Tom, I want to talk to you about some of your favorite Mac and iOS apps because, you know, we are the Mac power users, so we've got to cover that. But before we do, I'm going to talk about our last sponsor, and that's Squarespace. Um, that, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. Now, you can get 10% off of your Squarespace site if you go to squarespace.com slash Mac power users. And the offer code this month, Katie, it should make you very happy. It's Max Barky. Uh, that's that's what Siri calls me before I uh, fixed it. So uh, M-A-X-B-A-R-K-Y, Max Barky. Uh, Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features and new designs and more support. They have beautiful templates for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust. So you can just really create your own space online. I get emails all the time from people looking at the Max Barky website and asking me, you know, who built it? Well, you know, I did it through Squarespace and then they want to know what template I used and they just start to build their own from there. The template I started with, it doesn't look anything like it. Now the typography's changed, the layout has changed, but it gave me a nice starting place. Everything is drag and drop. So it's easy to add content from your desktop and even rearrange elements and content within a page. Squarespace makes your uh, site automatically look great and uh, looks good on any device because every Squarespace website has its own unique mobile design. You can easily connect Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google, and many more web and social services. Squarespace also has e-commerce on their platform, so if you want to set up a shop and sell things, you can do it in just a few minutes. A family friend of ours, Katie, is selling jewelry. She she hand-makes jewelry, and I set her up with Squarespace, and she came over and visited us to show me her website recently, and she has set up all the e-commerce stuff all on her own, and this lady is not you know tech-savvy. I was really impressed, and it's just because they make the tools so easy at Squarespace. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you need some help, there are over 70 employees on the customer care team based out of New York City, so you're going to get uh, someone to help you out. Uh, I sent them emails myself with problems, and I always get responses very quickly. They're available for live chat during the week and have super fast email support throughout the day and night. As I said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free with no credit card. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month, including a domain name. So if you sign up for a year, make sure to get 10% off and support our show by using the offer code MAXBARKY, M A 
A-X-B-A-R-K-Y. So thank you, Squarespace, for supporting 5x5 and the Mac Power users. If I ever get a dog, I'm going to name it Max Barky. <laughs> I, I think you will. I, I will. will. When the I postman will. shows up, my dogs are Max Barky. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you know, that goes with the name, right? Very cliche, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tom, uh, let's talk a little bit about your Mac and your, let's talk a little bit about your Mac and your iPhone. And what are some of the, the apps that you use every day to get your work done? Sure. Uh, first things I do in the morning, I look at the Weather Channel app for weather. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Weather Channel per se, but it Wait, just seems to. Don't you live in LA? It's not like high of 72, low of 72. That's always the joke, sunny. right? But yeah. if it's 64 versus 74, it makes a big difference to my dogs, whether I'm going to open that door and let them out on the porch or not. Um, okay. Katie doesn't understand. I got to know whether or not I'm going to wear socks every day. Right? Yeah. Well, that's, Is it that's a shorts important. day? Yeah. There might actually be rain. Yeah. It's not the same temperature every day. At least, you know, Don't I'm not it. complaining about it, but no, it's funny. Whenever I say I use the weather app, I, I, I get that reaction. Uh, and then I look at the BBC news app for, for international news, just to kind of make sure I know what's going on in the world that isn't technology. Yeah, you're, you're a news junkie, aren't you? You just like the news. Sort of. All, all yeah. You know, I've, I've stopped watching any television news though. Uh, I just, they, as as television news stopped doing news, I I stopped watching it. So it, let me, let me stop you there for a minute because I as a as a cord cutter have have lost a lot of my access. I used to I I was a huge news junkie and and years ago I would love watching CNN and some of the other news channels and you know I I certainly don't want to get into a political debate or any of that. But it seems like they they just became more tabloid and more talk and the same thing over and over again. It just wasn't so much news. And so I too have started getting my news from other sources. What 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 other sources do you do you use to get your news? Because I I too am watching less and less news on tv yeah bb the bbc news app is my daily go-to to just tell me like what are the important things that happened today um i i've tried looking at the sky news app on apple tv um sky news has not impressed me all yeah. that all that much it's it's interesting sometimes uh i i sideloaded the bbc world app onto my roku a long time ago i'm not sure that you can still do that uh but that gives me the the 24 7 news feed from the bbc which is comes in handy when there's breaking news and you just want to like then the Boston marathon bombing happened. That's yep. what I turned to. Um, but otherwise uh, the, the news sources that I have in my feeds um, I, I actually look at hacker news. I look at uh, Reddit. Uh, I look at the BBC news and Twitter. Uh, you know, it's funny when, when I was saying earlier, I don't use Twitter for my tech news prep. It's cause I, I very much want to, track what I'm looking at and making sure I'm seeing everything. But when it's just general news, uh, I have a nice news list uh, of people, um, you know, who are, who are journalists who are just really good at, you know, talking about the kinds of things that you need to know and, and giving insights on that. So it's kind of a conglomeration of that. Have you ever tried the economist app on the iPhone? Oh, you know what? Um, I don't use the Economist app, but I do listen to the Economist audio, all audio podcast. Yeah, see, that's what they have in the app. They subscribe play. to the Economist magazine, and so I just I use Downcast for podcasts, and I just have that get all of the audio podcasts. 
I should. I didn't realize they were doing it on a podcast as well, but I, I listen to it quite often right out of the app. I thought that was a really great idea. So you can not only read the news in the app, they also have people, you know, humans read the articles, which is very pleasant. Oh, yeah, that, that's right. I, you know, I was doing that for a while, but then I, I found that it was just easier to read the articles I wanted than to try to navigate the human read articles. But the, the podcast that I'm listening to in Downcast are additional material. So it's the editors kind of sitting down and chatting about the articles, giving you a little more information. Uh, they have one called Babbage, which is about the technology stories of the week. Uh, there's there's the one about the, the money. I can't remember. They're all named after the economist columnist. And then they'll have special episodes where they just go into a particular topic like the Indian elections uh, or um, trying to think, there was one I was listening to earlier today about dark banking, shadow banks. That's what it is, shadow banks. Really interesting stuff. Do you need to be a subscriber to get access to those podcasts, or are they just no. wide open? Uh, yeah. In fact, they're sponsored by Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> yeah, they but don't I have bet nearly as I, good of, of a recommendation as you guys do. Yeah, and okay. I bet that they don't have an offer code Max Barky. No, they don't. Yeah, they are sorely lacking in that department. There we go. What are some of your other favorite apps? Uh, yeah, so I mentioned Downcast uh, is is my um, my go to podcasting app. Uh, I use I run, so I actually run both Nike Plus and RunKeeper, which is stupid and ridiculous. But it's because I have friends on both platforms, and the RunKeeper friends persuaded me to try it. But I didn't want to give up my friends on the Nike Plus app, so I actually have both. Running. Oh, but this is a question I've always had. Um, do you see a difference in the actual counts between the two apps? You know what? Not a statistically significant one, in my opinion. Uh, they are they they are never well rarely. I'll say rarely exactly the same, but they're always within a few decimal places of each other. Yeah, because I, I, I use a Fitbit and I don't run, but I walk a lot. And and someone was saying, well, those things aren't accurate. But to me, so long as it's the same degree of inaccuracy every day. It gives me a pretty good idea how I'm doing. And then the reason I run is because I have an app called Buy Me a Pie, which is uh, my grocery list. Um, it's it's just a grocery list management. The nice thing about Buy Me a Pie is when you put in a food item for the grocery list, if it recognizes the name, which it recognizes most common things, uh, it will color code it appropriately. So it orders the list by the aisles that the items are likely to be in. Like all the meat is colored red, all the canned food is colored orange, all the vegetables are green. It's strange to me that there isn't a clear winner in the grocery list category because that's something that a lot of people need. But every person I talk to has a different favorite grocery one. Yeah. See, I thought you were going to say buy me a pie was like after you had run so many miles, you could it would tell you that you could now go get a pie. That would be a, such a better app, Katie. Yeah. Oh. Or maybe, maybe app it, idea. it's like a pie store and it gives you directions to run at the pie store. Yeah. An and then you get in the door and you say, I just ran 10 miles. I'm going to buy me a pie. There's an idea. Go, run with it. Literally. <laughs> I can't help myself sometimes. What are some of your other favorite apps? Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm just looking at my my home screen now on my phone. I have TripIt. I love TripIt. I could not travel without... I don't know how I traveled without TripIt. Actually, I do know. I used a manila folder 
with printouts before I use TripIt. Uh, TripIt, all you have to do once you make a reservation and you get that email from your airline or your hotel, you forward it to TripIt and it automatically parses it and puts it in a schedule for you. Uh, you can share it with people. So I share it with my wife. I share it with Veronica for conferences that we're traveling to together. Um, I, I, I know some people who don't like TripIt. Steve Wozniak does not like TripIt. Uh, he had a problem with it, but I've been really? using it. I've never heard of anybody complaining about TripIt. What's the- he had he had something get munged with it one time, and they were not good on customer support. Apparently, at least that was the story he told. Uh, and so he was he was sort of like you know he wasn't trashing it, or he's like yeah I tried yeah. it, it didn't really work for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've 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 used TripIt forever, and uh, the it, it seems to get better over time too. Like it's good enough for me just to have all of my information together. But the connectivity aspect of it is helpful now, too, where it'll actually alert you to gate changes, uh, give you seat advice. Uh, you can get directions to your hotel from, 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 the, uh, from the airport easier and easier in this stuff. So, yeah, that's, that's actually on my home screen all the time, even though I'm not always traveling because I just want it accessible there. The folks at LifeX sent me their light bulbs that are similar to the Philips Hue. So I have the LifeX app. And I've been playing around with that. The only negative, I, I kind of like them. It, they've, they've got great color control. The lights look good. There's some quirky things you can do with them, like sync them to music, which is fun for once and, and then you're done. The only thing I don't like is having to pull my phone out to turn the lights off. Well, can you do, like with the Hues, you can still, you know, twist the knob on the light and it'll go on. Yeah, you can, you can, you can flip the switch and turn them off. Uh, but then you have to remember to turn the switch back on. Right, because then they don't work again if the switch is exactly. off. Exactly. Yeah. So, you, yeah. yeah, you can turn them off. It's not like they're stuck on. But then then it kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. Well, that's true. Like, I was making some recipes uh, for um, some, like, motion sensors and because I'm into home automation. And that's the same thing. If you want to have the lights turn on when someone trips the front door, if you're using Hughes and the switch isn't on, the whole thing breaks. Mm-hmm. Ways. I am pre Google acquisition. I have been a devotee of ways, especially in the Los Angeles area, uh, where it cuts through traffic like a knife through butter, like a hot knife through butter, not just a regular knife. Yeah, I'm with you there. In LA, it works great. I don't know how national Ways is, but I've never really asked anybody. Mm. I used it to in Southern Illinois when I was there recently, and it worked just fine. Um, there was, it wasn't as challenged though. Like it, it really, you really put ways to the test in a place like Los Angeles. And I was using it in San Francisco as well. Very cool. Well, Tom, this has just been awesome. I am so glad that you could join us. I'm, I'm thrilled that we were able to have you on the show and we didn't even get to a bunch of the stuff on my list. Like I, I want to talk about cord cutting and a few other things. So, uh, maybe we'll have to have you back for some other shows in the future. Oh, well, thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. It's it's fun talking about this stuff and uh, I'd be happy to come back. We got lots more to talk about. You're right. So much more to talk about. Uh, so Tom, where's the best place to find you? You're in, you're in so many places. Yeah, I put everything in TomMerritt.com. So you can you can find a page that has all the shows and the subscription links. uh, And there's blog posts for all the shows as they come up. And everything I do there, Twitter and all of that stuff is is all collected. There's even a a page called store, which has things I've written and any of the equipment 
that I talked about that I use uh, is all collected in a little Amazon page there, which obviously I do that because of Amazon referral links. But if you're just looking for the list, that it works for that too. Awesome. Um, well, Tom, it's been a pleasure. We will have links to everything that you talked about uh, in the show notes. You can find those on our website at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. You can send us feedback to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com or you find us on Twitter. We are at MacPowerUsers. Katie's at Katie Floyd. I'm at Max Sparky, not Max Sparky. And um, Tom, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's ridiculous. It's Ace Detect, A-C-E-D-T-E-C-T. Hey, I'll, I'll go with that. And, and it's it's TomMerritt.com. It's two M's, two R's, two T's. Right. There's an M at the end of Tom, an M at the beginning of M, and then two R's and two T's. Yeah. All right, Tom. Well, it's been fun, and we will see you all next time. 